G'day guys and welcome back to another episode of the Montana Project. This is episode 14, Jordan Chenery. I was so excited to record this one. He's recently come off doing 33 marathons in 33 days. Uh, he's done plenty of ultra marathons in the past, but it was really cool to chat about just his business ideologies, I guess, as an entrepreneur um, and how to create a healthy work environment for yourself as well as just look after your, your physical health in general as well. Um, yeah, just a fantastic bloke and it's just so cool, I guess, with this podcast to meet and um, network with these sort of people. So yeah, I really hope you guys enjoyed as much as I did. But without further ado, this is Jordan Chenery. Welcome to the Montana Project, mate. <laughs> Thanks for having me, boys. No, it's, it's good. You look like you're moving around fine because that was the first question from Corey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, should have done the welfare check on you here. <laughs> um, but it's interesting that you've done the, the extra 5K after all the running. Um, I guess, was it more of like a recovery thing or was it you just love running that much that you <laughs> couldn't Yeah, stop? all that too. Yeah, yeah no, I think uh, it's been something that I've done um after all my ultra marathons anyway so it's more of like a just a habit of being able to just get the legs going and, and normally it's at night which i never run at night either mm. um so i normally just have the day off and then sometimes my legs work sometimes <laughs> they don't so yeah it's just like it's just a routine thing for me yeah so you usually running at night each day sort of thing? like you? No, I normally run in the mornings, okay. but after a race or a big something like that, yeah, it's just have the day off, have the morning off, yeah, um, barefoot, sunrise, enjoy your coffee, and yeah. then, you know, like straight off, six o'clock, maybe go for a run. I noticed through, I think after the challenge, you said that you were keen to enjoy coffee. Were you not drinking them throughout? Yeah, no, I didn't have any coffee for... Uh, That's probably the bigger challenge in itself. <laughs> and I love, you know, I love my, most people know I love my double espresso. So yeah. to not have it, um, it was purely, a, I didn't want to put my body under any extra stress Yeah. Um, while I was running, you know, multi-day type stuff. So... I figure like if I'm going to give myself a bit of a boost, I'd rather do it through food than coffee because it's just going to wear out, you know, mm. after an hour or something. And I'm out there for four or five hours every day. Mm. So it's, uh, yeah, it was just more of a strategic thing. So for a bit of context first, you ran 33 marathons in 33 days? That's it, yeah. 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 Oh, that's so... That's <laughs> a lot of work. <laughs> I haven't even ran past 20, I don't reckon. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I was actually fortunate enough to meet you. I, I can't remember what day it was, but um, jumped in for a, a little bit. And then, um, yeah, because I, I think uh, a friend of mine, Luke, actually mentioned it originally. And then I saw it like sort of popping up on Instagram and stuff. And I was like, man, I got, got to get around this. And just I was interested to see what sort of person would be doing that. And um, yeah, it was, it was really cool just chatting to you in the times. Like I didn't want to be sort of, I don't know, trying to draw too much out of you on those days where you were running and stuff. But like even the aspects of like the food that you're doing and the recovery during that, like the the run itself is a massive challenge. But like what was the, the sort of surprising factors to you or just the things that people wouldn't usually consider? I think uh, it's a really good question, actually. I think the biggest thing was probably my body held up multi-day. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think like that really comes down to probably... 
you know, I got through the run okay, but it was also looking after myself in that run. And most people know we're going down the Fox's Pantry and like grabbing that extra muffin that I probably wouldn't have. Yep. And it was more of a fact that it's not something that I would normally eat. It was more of a, to help a lot of the guys get through, you know, that 32K mark, the last 10Ks, we know that we'd have a muffin from there. So uh, well, I think a lot of it comes back to how well I looked after myself while I was out there. Um, yep. And as I keep saying to people, like my next run the day after always started as soon as I finished on that day. Uh, I just did everything I possibly could until the next morning. Mm. So what was your sort of recovery? Like once you'd finished the run, like talk us through a day of, of the challenge. Yeah. So uh, obviously, I you know, I was still working and stuff and still doing my thing. So I had to really respect that. I had a lot of people that were relying on me um, from my work side of things. They also did give me a bit of slack as well. They did <laughs> yeah. pick up a few extra things, which I'm super grateful for. But I think like, you know, once I finished, I always had my smoothie. So like four to six bananas, frozen bananas, two cups of oats, some glutamine, like all that kind of stuff. Um, berries, everything in there. And then I would just basically make my way to either P3 to do my recovery. So mm. like um, compression boots, ice bars depending on how shot i was huge advocate for ice bars but mm. i could hardly put my feet in the water um really my toes were so swollen mm-hmm. um so it's giving me really grief for a few days and then the hot pool was just as bad so i was like i was finding myself days where i couldn't get um into the cold pool or the hot pool just because of my feet yeah um so i jumped in a few had a few extra saunas and obviously the compression boots work really well as well but i also have a set of those at home um, that I use. I saw you doing the, is it the hyperbaric chambers? Yeah, so how, hyperbaric. Yeah, actually, yeah. I completely missed that. That was, <laughs> that was my secret weapon. <laughs> how, do they, how do they actually operate? Like, what? what's the science behind yeah, it? Yeah, I think, like, obviously, you're at pressure. Um, so that oxygen is something that really increases your red blood cell count. Um, without getting into too much detail, you know, and you look up hyperbaric chambers and you can see what they do. Uh, a lot of my friends that have done a lot of multi-day running said to me, like, if you can, just get yourself in there. Mm. And um, some days I'd spend two hours in there. Mm. Um, and they say, and, you know, like, this is something that you can obviously look up as well, that anywhere between a 15 and 20-minute nap is the equivalent of three to four hours of sleeping. Yeah, right. Um, and trust me, I felt every <laughs> minute of that Yeah. <laughs> from there. Yeah. But uh, it's super relaxing. You just pop your ears as you as you get to yeah, the pressure, pressure goes yep. through and then um but yeah for me that was probably my secret weapon of getting myself healthy throughout um the whole month and i was yep. also lucky enough to have contacts in melbourne and sydney that looked after me yeah because it wasn't obviously mm. just on the coast either eh? like so what at what point did you go down there uh so i did i think the first 10 12 i did the first 12 on the gold coast yeah mm-hmm. went down to sydney um and had a mate who lives on the northern beaches. He's like, oh, let's go and do some marathons together. I did one. My feet were just in an awful um, state. My blisters were just, that was really hard to manage mm. getting my shoes on, let alone taking a step, yeah. let alone running for five hours. Uh, so that probably, that Sydney marathon for me was probably the hardest by far because it was super hilly. It was stop start. It rained, it stopped raining. It was like, um, but it wasn't crazy rain. It was just a little bit that I had. And 
Um, that for me was by far in my head was the hardest one that I've done. Mm. Um, just it wasn't hard physically. Uh, well, it was hard physically. It was just I could not get my running going the mm. way that I wanted it to. Uh, it was quite frustrating. Did my head in. Yeah. So I was meant to stay for five days. I ended up booking a flight that afternoon. And, <laughs> yeah. and uh, because I was, uh, you know, the flight situation in Oz at the moment's all over the place. Um, I had two cancelled flights down oh, to true. Melbourne. So I'm sitting in the in the Virgin Lounge in my compression boots, pretty much <laughs> like with a full lounge. Everyone's going crazy and waiting for my flight to get down to Melbourne. It added a whole nother level of like, trying to get myself ready for the next day yeah yeah because like you know i could sit there and argue with people and be like get me to melbourne or whatever but it's not going to do anything for me like emotionally you know yeah. it's definitely not going to help me get on a flight anywhere <laughs> mm. so it was more like um just kind of chill and just take as it comes did it, did it pass your mind at all that you might have to like jump out on the tarmac and <laughs> yeah, yeah, get there was, some k's out there, there was all kinds of stuff going through my head because i thought like if i miss my flights uh, like how am I going to prepare my food for tomorrow? Yeah. And like, I'm going to have no kitchen. And like, mm. so there's all these things running through my head. Like I made a, um, a rule at the start of the month, wherever I went, I'd have a kitchen mm. just so I could prepare my own food and get everything right. And like, you get stuck at an airport with like, you know, a thousand other people. Yeah. You know, you got like Hungry Jacks and yeah. some gross sushi yeah, place. Yeah, like I'm, you know, I'm sitting in there and everyone wants to get home and it like, it adds that extra pressure. And then, you know, I've heard some terrible stories over the last few weeks where people have just been left like to stay at schools and gyms. and Yeah, right. Mm. Um, so I was like, all well, that you, stuff yeah, has gone you, through my head. You recently, when you were coming back. You yeah, got... I was coming back from Melbourne and then mine got cancelled. And <laughs> <laughs> I was with Jetstar and they're like, um, well, Jetstar, first of all, their gate's the furthest gate away yeah. <laughs> at Melbourne. Um, yeah, they came back and they're like, uh, we don't have another flight till Tuesday. And this was on Sunday Arvo. And then luckily got on the last seat available on another airline that Crazy. night. Yeah. And then a few of the other boys do. Mm. Like my housemate. Coming back from the snow. Yeah, he's coming back from the snow and there's got delayed seven hours. So they got home at like one in the morning. Or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's, at least they weren't running a marathon the next day. Yeah, <laughs> they they um yeah they just had to call in sick to work. I saw, <laughs> I saw a photo. You had probably the closest thing I could say it looked like was like band aids running between your toes. Was that like a little band or something? What's that? Yeah, just um it was the easiest way I could manage my um, blisters. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the rubbing on them was like it could make a grown man cry. I reckon yeah. it would have been easier to run a marathon with a torn hamstring really? than the pain I had really? between my feet. Because that, that seems like, once you start diving into it, that seems like one of the trickiest aspects is maintaining. Obviously, your feet have to make contact with the ground <laughs> to continue through it. But yeah, and like because you, you had the uh, squirrels... Nut butter or yeah, something? Nut yeah, nut butter, yeah. So that, is that like a Vaseline sort of yeah. thing? Yeah, I wouldn't recommend eating no? it as most people. <laughs> it's not like an almond butter that you want to be putting on your toast. But uh, yeah, the sleeves have a little piece of gel in, in between them. Yep. And I would slide them over the top of my toes. Yep. Um, gave me enough to not give any friction. Um, and to be honest, it was the most incredible feeling. When I, <laughs> for like four or five days before that, I could not get my stride like i was limping like crazy yeah. yeah um as soon as i found these things someone's like oh they text me on instagram they're like try these like gel sleeves we've used them for hours so i was like racing around the next day like trying to find them i grabbed mm -hmm. some 
And um, as soon as I put them on, like I was like the next day, I was I was like I could actually run, like without limping. Yeah. So I wasn't like nursing my foot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So instantly I had this relief of like, okay, I can do my normal strides now. But it was, yeah. And then obviously the nut butter on top just makes your feet slide in your shoes. Mm. So there's no friction on your socks then. It's an ultra thing. We either do um, socks, nut butter, and another pair of socks, <laughs> and then it stops you from losing like all your toenails. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you do like a lot of long stuff. You yeah, know, it's, it's pretty 10 gnarly. to 20 hours type thing. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty hectic. I just... So many things of this challenge baffled me. Like even for your, like probably jumping forward a little bit, but even your, so your last one was Gold Coast Marathon mm-hmm. and you finished in like, was it like you're running like five oh five splits or something? Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's, <it. laughs> that's so <laughs> quick. <laughs> I was like, I remember seeing you, I think I was, it was down, oh, down near like Shark Bar. Oh yeah. And like briefly I heard you like yell out and then that was, that was pretty much it for the whole time. <laughs> I was like, oh. He's flying by and he's already done 32. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just, to be honest, I didn't... Um, I just wanted to do under four hours. Yeah. You know, I knew, like, I had it in me to be able to do it, but um, Trent, who I ran with, who had never ran a marathon before, ended up doing 10 with me over the month. True. Wow. Um, so, like, just little stories like that, which, you know, we can talk about, but, you know, Trent paced me like selflessly on that Sunday. He'd never run a full marathon, like never run in a racing mm, marathon. Mm. So he was just like, how good is this? Like, <laughs> and I said to him, like, I'm happy for you to go. Like, if you want to just go and send it. And he didn't. He stayed with me like the whole time. Yeah. And, you know, it was pretty amazing actually that someone had given up like their chance to like really go for it and yep. just kind of sit with me like all day and like it was nice that we were there and we made a decision at like 20k's that we're feeling pretty good yeah um and then we actually got faster over the second half oh true yeah um from there because i just i went out really conservative i knew like if i could just hold a super low heart rate to get to 32k's maybe i might have 10k's quick in the bank mm. but um yeah we just pulled it together like once i got up to runaway bay i was like yeah i feel pretty good let's send it on the way home yeah <laughs> past like probably 100 people on the way back i fully didn't realize so i don't know why i had it in my head but i thought we had to go all the way to like paradise point like you know the little ephraim island yeah, that yeah, little yeah. roundabout i for some reason on, on the last 10 or 12 k's i was like no way do i have to go not out of like i didn't want to run it it's just the math didn't add up in my head <laughs> And then when I got across that um, bridge at Bayview, I was like, I could see the turning points so come. Good. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> I was like, I was so excited. But like those, just those little things, even on that one day for me, like what was it like for you throughout the challenge? Is, was it when you saw new faces or was it like when you got that, that muffin at the 32Ks? What were those sort of um, exciting factors for you that gave you that second wind? Yeah, I think it was more um, just working my way through like checkpoints. I mean, running 42Ks, it's not easy on the best of days. So it's like, how do you manage it kind of 5 or 10Ks at a time? I um, would consider myself pretty well developed when it comes to nutrition, like ultra racing and actually knowing what I need to do to fuel myself to get through a race. Um, and so I would use my nutrition as kind of my checkpoints. Mm. Um, so I, I knew that like, 
you know, if anyone ran with me in the first hour, they'd know I was carrying two bananas. <laughs> you know, it was just something I'd do. So I knew like at 40 minutes or 50 minutes, I would eat both of those bananas and that would start my day of uh, my nutrition. And then I would just know that every 16, 24, 32Ks, I knew I was getting something in um, nutrition-wise. And that really broke down the days pretty quickly. Yeah. So I know like it's, I'm not working in 10K blocks. I'm working like probably 8K blocks. Uh, I pretty much nailed my nutrition. Like the first week I was a bit kind of iffy. I was like, yeah, it's kind of working. It's not. But after that, the next four weeks were sweet. Mm. It was more like I knew my bananas. I'd take on 2,000 calories every run. Um, through electrolytes, and that's something that I've done. Because how, like, how many were you doing a day? You said cows. Yeah. Yeah, around 6,000 calories a day. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, just burning 6,000. I mean, if you look at the run, it's probably 5,000. Then your day to day, there's probably 1,000. I wasn't yeah. doing much during the days. I was active, I guess. I wasn't just sitting on the couch all day. Yeah. And, you know, I made an effort to go and meet friends for lunch and. Um, you know, just do stuff. Yeah, take yeah. your mind off it a bit. Yeah, because it's like I wanted to try and live like a kind of a normal mm-hmm. kind of life too. I didn't <laughs> want to be rolling just... up in bed for like, you know, a few. It's just, it, it's not good for anyone. Yeah. You know, it wasn't good for my mental state. It wasn't good like for my body. Mm. So, Do you, do you think because you would have just like been sort of not dreading it, but just spending all that extra energy thinking about the next day's yeah. run sort of thing yeah i think like and that was a big one is just keeping myself not busy yeah but just a little bit entertained mm-hmm. you know so like i'd go for walks and um sometimes like i'd just even walk up to like north burley do like an easy 4k walk <laughs> you know i sound stupid but it took my mind off stuff yeah um, got me moving i would do work calls and that like you know, with my headphones in and rather than just stand at my desk mm. or whatever. So, yeah, just little things like that. So, how, how did it actually kick off? Because obviously part of it was moved to moved to Belong, but then also I think was it you had a race that fell through? Yeah, so, yeah. so um, yeah, it's a really good question. Actually, my, my trail race at the time, which was... Uh, was UTA 100. I um, was in the Blue Mountains. Obviously, we had so much rain and that whole course got completely washed away, got mm. postponed. So I have that race as my next upcoming race now at the mm. end of October. So um, this has been a nice foundation for that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and then a friend of mine, Tim, uh, he puts refugees in work around the world and he said, look, we have a Strava group Um do you mind if you jump in? And I was like, well, I use Strava every day, so it's nothing unauthentic. Like, it's real. Like, I don't have to push it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said to him, like, I'm happy to be, like, your benchmark. I don't expect everyone to run a marathon today. <laughs> but I was like, look, I can be in there, and you can run some stories on it from there, and it's a good course. And I'd been to a whole bunch of places where he um, had been in Syria and you know, places in Turkey and, you know, different parts of Palestine and Israel yeah, and right. all that kind of stuff. So um, I said to him, like, yeah, let's do it. Um, so he was fortunate and really kind, actually, to get me up to the sunny coast and finish with, like, a whole bunch of schools. Yep. Um, one of the schools, the entire school was standing there waiting for me as I come around the corner, like, to finish my uh, thing and, like, every news crew. And to be mm. honest, it was a bit overwhelming, but it was pretty cool that, 
uh, I was able to finish there and lucky enough to meet a nice uh, little Ukrainian girl who um, had been put on a plane by her mum and her mum thinks she, she'll probably never see her again and then her dad's fighting like on the front line. So I was yeah, like, yeah. I can run a marathon every yeah, day. Yeah. My, my life's like, you know, nothing and take nothing away from hers. Um, it was more the fact that, you know, we were able to have an impact and then she wanted to run with me the next day but she couldn't speak any english so i was like yes you know come for a run whatever it's pretty mm. it's pretty cool with something like that because it's such a universal thing like there's there's no real language with running and stuff it's pretty simple i remember you actually you were talking with chance um about it one day and i i overheard you saying just one foot in front of the other and it was like that resonated with me so much especially leading up into the marathon and stuff because i had I wouldn't say doubts with it, but just, just concerns with where I was at and that sort of thing as well. And I was like, well, it just simplifies it so much. And it's like, as long as you keep doing that, you're going to get there sort of thing. And it was, yeah, it was really nice to hear that. But That's yeah. my, I think that's in my bio on my Instagram. Oh, is it? <laughs> One foot in front of the other. Yeah. Where'd you find it was the toughest? Like, was it getting started in the first week of doing it? Because you ran pretty quick the last one. So, or was it? towards the end you felt like you were struggling yeah I, I wouldn't say i was struggling i would definitely wouldn't say it was easy any of it i'd just say it was more manageable mm. um the first week I, I barely slept i was real nervous um i really doubted myself i got to day four i'm thinking fuck what, <laughs> what on earth have i got myself into um but, you know, I have, I'm lucky enough that I've, I've, I know and I've ran with a couple of guys that have either run across America or Australia. Yeah, right. Mm. Um, and I kind of reached out to one of them and said, look, I'm wigging myself out here. <laughs> like, I'm, like, how did you get through your days when he's like, I'd either have a beer, no more than two. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, I hardly drink. I rarely drink. Yep. Like, I don't even drink. So I was like, that's out of the question. And he's like, an ibuprofen. And I'm like, yeah, that's not on my thing either. <laughs> and he's like, well, why don't you just take some CBD oil? So I was like, all right, sweet. So I did, it did help me calm myself down yeah. um, a little bit. Did you, did you, how did you find your sleep was with that? Yeah, that's really better? good. Yeah, obviously I track all my sleep and stuff. So I know like where I'm at. Yeah. Um, and I'm big into like all the data side of things of... I noticed, yeah, yeah, how how all that works. But I think, like you know, my whoop gives me enough to be able to make better decisions throughout my day. Um, do I really need to go and grab that burger when I could have like an epic bowl of veggies? Like that's the kind of way that I think now. Yeah. Um, based around knowing that I would have to run the next day, or you know, even in my day to day, not just because I have to run the next day. It's like, do I want to have a a good sleep or do I want to have a shitty sleep? Um, so yeah, I wouldn't say things freaked me out or, it's, or like things got hard. I would say I just learned how to manage it a little bit better. Mm. Um, there were times where it was pretty bad. I think I walked f probably five times in the whole month, mm, uh, yep. where I was forced to like walk. Um, I didn't really walk when I had the blisters. It was more days where I was just like, this is just, it's not working today. <laughs> um, one of those days was with Trent and... We ran all the way to the spit and we got back. I looked it back and I was like, fuck, it's a long way back to Burley. <laughs> I was like, and just in your head, you're like, okay, yeah. And I, 
I was like trying to break it down, but it wouldn't work. I was like, mm. I'll get to SeaWorld and I'll get to Main Beach and I'll get to Surfers and Broad Beach. But like Broad Beach seemed like it was like cool and gather. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, this isn't, this isn't working today, Trent. I was like, I need to walk for like three or four Ks. Yeah. Um, and that's what we did. Mm. So it was fine. Like I wasn't hard on myself if I had to walk. I just knew I had to do the distance. I did walk a full marathon in Melbourne because my blisters were so intense. Mm-hmm. How long does that take? Because that's it took me seven and a half hours. Yeah, Oof. right. Was it was it challenging? Because obviously then you're eating into that recovery time and stuff yeah. as well. But it's good like question, it's a double edged yeah. sort of. Yeah, it's a really good question. It did go through my mind. Like it really did go through my mind. Um, but I went out and did twenty k's early, and then I was lucky enough that my old man was in Melbourne at the same time. I just called him. I was like, "Let's go for a walk." Yeah. So he ended up walking with me twenty two k's. Yeah. We stopped for coffee, and like yeah. he had a coffee, and then I had pancakes, and like I was like, "How good is it?" Like we just done a tour of Melbourne. And he was like, he wasn't even expecting to like. He yeah. might do ten k's. But yeah, he ended up walking the whole thing for us. Yeah, that's um, good. Yeah. So yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it was all, But I look at it now, and I was like, you know, it's seven hours out of the day. It wasn't like a hard marathon where I had to like recover, recover. Yeah. I was yeah. just like, you know, I was just out there walking. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, it's like there's so many questions. And usually with other episodes, like we sometimes follow a structure of like, what's it like growing up and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I have way too many questions about this. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and, yeah, it was so sick to watch. And like, um, I think on one of the Saturdays with uh, Vince when he was there and stuff as well, like just seeing the turnout and like it was it was like those scenes in the movies when just pe- people keep adding on and adding <laughs> on and stuff. And it was like, yeah, it was so cool to see. But um, yeah, I, I don't know whether you had any other points that you wanted to make in regards to that, but I know you mentioned the Ultra and then with the Glass House 100. Yeah. Yeah, so that's one that you have done. Is that the same as UTA or is that different? Nah, different race, yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, if you ever get a chance to run the Glasshouse Mountains and you want a challenge, I'd recommend that you do that. Is this surrounding the, the – is it the dungeon? Yeah, the dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> the dungeon. So yeah. what's the elevation on the Glasshouse? Uh, it's two and a it's half, close. but it's, it's, a very, uh, it's a very technical trail. There's a lot of it you can't run. Yeah. Right. Um, so to put it in perspective, imagine running like, so there's um, a huge V-shape kind of, and you can run in the middle, yep. but you can't run up on the sides. Like that's how steep it is. Right. So it's a four-wheel drive track. So the four-wheel drives go in and then they do all their four-wheel driving. But when you come up against a four-wheel drive and you're running on a track, <laughs> you can't just climb up on the sides because they're so high. Yeah. So I got to this point at like 11 o'clock in the morning, I've been running for like five hours and there's about eight four-wheel drives, like <laughs> one after the other. These dudes are drinking bundies and <laughs> full mullets and I'm thinking, oh, what am I in for here? And the guy goes, man, we know that there's a race on today. We've already been told... He's like, you're just going to have to climb over all the four drives. So I'm like climbing on the bonnet, over the thing, trying to jump onto the next one. I've already been like 40Ks in. Yeah. And I'm trying to like climb over this thing. I'm looking back. I couldn't see anyone. I was like, I'm off course for sure. And then, you know, I'm checking my watch, my GPS. And I was like, I have to be on course. There's nowhere else I could have gone. Mm-hmm. And then so this went on for like 
you know, 25 or 30 Ks. <laughs> and like, not climbing over four-wheel drive. <laughs> but like, you know, just stupid, crazy terrain. Like, yeah. rocky as hell. And just, it was 36 degrees that day. Wow. That it's There's so many variables in that as well. Because I, I was even thinking this morning, I was like, um, when you're doing the 33 and 33 like you're sort of you're running most of the temperatures would have been pretty same uh, similar and like same time frames roughly that you're running and stuff but that how do you prepare for something that's going to go through both day and night because like the, the sun would have been beaten down on you and like then yeah. hydrating is hard at the best of times like what what do you do with that yeah it's a good question it's um you have to train in the middle of the day yeah like you have no like if you don't and you're running in that midday sun, like it could, like my um, t-shirt was stuck, like literally stuck to me, like melted yeah. on my skin. Right. Um, because you, you do everything you possibly can, you work through your checkpoints, but like, it's literally so hot, and when you just get like hammered with that sun, mm. like, there's not much you can do. You know, I'd wrap my face, I'd put like ice packs in behind my neck. Um, I'd wear a bucket hat, like forks covered in water. Everywhere I went, like every checkpoint, I'd just grab more ice and put it in there. And it's so unforgiving. Like, yeah. um, and then you've got the the fire trails. So when cars drive along, you've got all that dust. So like you've mm-hmm. got glasses on and like you've wrapped your whole mouth. And like, it's just, yeah, you have to train for it. So, so what is the training like? Because obviously time on your feet like understandable but yeah like what do you what do you do leading up to that yeah i think you put yourself out there do a little recce run and and get an idea of um what you're in for um try and be able to at least do a couple of runs where you run through the day Mm. um and that means like start at 11 a.m and run till two or something like this so it just gives you a chance then to be able to be on the trails get smashed by that midday sun um kind of it's not too much of a shock had a lot of mates from Melbourne come up and do glass house last year and they just didn't finish. Yeah. 30Ks, it was just too intense for them. Because at what point of the day, like how many Ks in are you sort of getting to that middle of the we day? You start at 6am. So if you're on a good run, you're at least 50, 50 Ks in. Yeah. Um, maybe 60 Ks in, depending on what you're doing. So by then you're well and truly warmed up. <laughs> and you're pretty much like... You know, knowing that you're going to go into the afternoon. Um, unfortunately, if you don't fuel well early and you don't get up your enough electrolytes through the day, like the sun will just zap everything out of you. Like mm. it doesn't matter if if you're gone by midday. Like there's no way you'll make it through the afternoon. You definitely won't make it through the night. So it's just making sure you're smart and looking after yourself. You try and find every bit of shade that you possibly can. So what mm. what was the longest sort of distance you'd run prior to the race? Uh, so that was, um, yeah. In in training, sorry, not Uh, not just like, yeah. Okay. So I had, um, normally I do over, over time. So I normally do a six to seven hour trail run will be my longest. Yeah. Um, so that will be, you know, anywhere like normally we go out to Binnaburra and we'll do like a Binnaburra loop out to O'Reilly's and come back. And it's normally like a 60 or a 65 K run depending on the terrain sometimes it might only be a seven a seven hour run but it might only be 50 k's because it's very technical yeah so um we go more by time when we do ultra training 
We mm-hmm. kind of work by five, six, seven, eight hour runs. Yeah. Um, and then we'll do a recce run where we run, start at 6 p.m. and we'll run till 6 a.m. the next morning. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you just run through the night. What'd you got? Recce run. Yeah. Yeah, right. So you just like, you learn how to run while you're asleep. Do you yeah. know that's like super technical at night time just because you have to be a lot more alert? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's one way to like really mess you up. Yeah. You start hallucinating stuff. Really? It's crazy, yeah. <laughs> so you've got to be like, you've got to be in that position to be able to, like I put myself in that position knowing that if I get stuck, at least I have like some ability to be able to mm. control what's going on. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's where most people don't finish or they... Um, fall or they hurt themselves um, and I definitely don't want to hurt myself going <laughs> on a trail run in the middle of the night because what are you, what are your distances between um, the checkpoints? yeah checkpoints yeah your checkpoints um normally 20 to 30 k's depending on what it is yep. my my the 100k run I did in Noosa in March that was um it's kind of like 20 k's and then 40 and then there wasn't another one until like 65 70 k's so you have like a real solid 50k stint um which was all through the mountains so you can't really get anyone in there anyway yeah (laughs) so like you've got to take everything you possibly can so like i you know snuck in a few extra things and grabbed a whole loaf of bread and just put it in my bag. <laughs> I was like, figure if I can make myself a sandwich if I get stuck. The boys aren't going to be there to help me until I get, like, you know, all the way down to like K70 or whatever it is. Yep. So, yeah, it's and that's how we break the races down too. So what's going into your pack? Because I know you big advocate for fix for their, like, is that what you're putting in your little pouches and stuff? Yeah, and- I mean, any any kind of electrolytes, I think, you know, drinking plain water, is is possibly the worst thing that you can do yeah which uh, is really like prior to the ma- i'm so glad i spoke to you about it before the marathon because you're like i remember two things and you're like if you get to a point where you feel like you need some energy or you're, you're too late you're like you gotta stay on top but that was one i was like so i was like <laughs> punching down so and the other thing like you're saying was just yeah you're not like having that plain water can actually be detrimental to you i was like shit <laughs> Yeah, especially when you're under like, you know, some kind of duress or some kind of stress. You know, I think like there's nothing wrong with drinking plain water, but when you're doing like, you know, any kind of endurance stuff where you're constantly sweating, you need to replenish yourself with minerals. Um, Mm -hmm. It needs to be a lot of salt go back in and getting those aminos back in to really help you just actually get through. Um, And I think like any ultra or multi-day stuff, the last thing you want to be doing is drinking plain water. It's it's interesting how like growing up playing sports and stuff, it's like here's here's just water, like drink water, drink water. And then, yeah, obviously speaking to you and you, it's like you kind of start to learn a bit more. It's like, well, maybe that was probably a bad thing (laughs) all those years back then. It was really? like a yeah, it's like a tradition, I guess. It's yeah. like you just drink water because water and orange slices. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, the oranges is a good one because yeah. you know you hydrate through food. Yeah, and a lot of people don't realize that, but like you know, in a big race, I'll have trays of watermelon. Mm. You know, like I hydrate through my food, not just mm. like just drinking water out of a pack. And is it a bit of an aspect of like? something to almost do or take your mind off the fact like it's a change up like that fox pantry yeah the muffins yeah yeah Yeah. no i mean i mean there's nothing more refreshing than having a fresh piece of watermelon you know after you've been drinking electrolytes and you know as natural as those electrolytes are they are they do have some kind of sweetness there's either a lemon or a lime in there 
um, and when you're just sipping on 20 hours or you know a full day worth of lemons and limes the last (laughs) thing you want is another lemon and lime or anything sweet you just want like something it's it's hard to fathom as well because how long how long did that one take you uh, Glasshouse took me 17 and a half hours. So it was, to, yeah. it was a big day. There's a lot mm. didn't go my way. Um, it was really, really messy. Yeah. Um, I found myself, you know, just, I just couldn't refuel enough. The sun just beat the hell out of me during the day. Um, you know, I got to like 80 Ks and I was getting passed by like these, these old dudes. I'm thinking, <laughs> fuck, I'm in trouble here. <laughs> and like... It was such an unforgiving terrain going through that last 20 Ks. It was like sandy. Um, mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to be able to have a pacer. Mm. So they, Jake joined me at 70 Ks and just kind of paced me through. And I just said, Jake, like my legs aren't working. <laughs> like I had my poles and I'm just trying to grind my way through. I think I could run for 20, 200 meters in every kilometer. Yeah, so it right. took me ages to like... I think the last 20 k's took me almost four hours yeah true yeah yeah it's it's, <laughs> it's hard to find like 17 and a half hours of anything is a long time let alone like running and like yeah and through the heat and stuff like yeah i was thinking about this morning because most of the time when i when i run is like early morning sun's sort of not up yet and i was like man i was like this is a different different game once the sun's out and like yeah huge it's huge so during that, so you had your pacer at those stations. Did you have like planned what you wanted at the checkpoints and stuff? Or was it like kind of just had a smorgasbord of stuff and you can pick from <laughs> both? Yeah. <laughs> both. They, uh, I mean, your crew is the most important thing that you have when you do any like long distance type stuff. So mm. you've got to really pick your crew. Um, they also know that nothing's personal. Because you just you can turn into a real like not a nice person yeah. if it's not going your way. I've never come across that, but I know a lot of guys that you know have either put their wife or their girlfriend in there, and they just you know want to kill them by the end of it. And I get it because it is quite an emotional thing. But you've really got to choose your crew um, to so that they know you. And one of the rules that I always say to them is never ask me how I'm feeling, like because <laughs> I feel like shit yeah. and. I don't need to be reminded that it's more like, all right, cool. You're here now. What do you need? Like, what can we do to help you? And then all you have to do is get to the next checkpoint. Um, So yeah, like I've had some really cool crew captains, I guess we call them that kind of just know where we're at. We all have a little WhatsApp group and they kind of text me like, what do you feel like at your next um, checkpoint? And I'll just be like, pizza, <laughs> peanut butter, sourdough, like whatever goes. Um, so I think just having someone that's aware of what's going on and yep. then automatically you, you turn into like a little F1 car. You sit down, <laughs> they pull your pack off, they refill you, put everything back in. They know that they'll never, ever leave, that I'll never leave the checkpoint without like a full pack. Yeah. So like they'll stuff extra bars in there and baby food and and like baby just, food yeah True. just just little stuff in there that you can either just take when you're just feeling like you need something yeah more of a kick so like I'll always have a full pack every time I don't know what's in it <laughs> yeah. I know that like I trust them enough to be able to get them to 
you know, get me through to the next checkpoint. So you need someone that's aware of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you running, so are they using the same pack? Is this something like just the bladder ones or is it something that has an extra pouch and stuff as yeah. well? Yeah. Uh, it depends on which race you do. It depends on your mandatory kit. Um, some of them you need uh, like a first aid kit and stuff. So you need a bigger yep. kind of hydro pack. Um, and then other days you can you can wear like a kind of a, a pretty small or a lean one. Yeah. But um, yeah, each just depends what you what race you're doing. Mm. You know, if you have a first aid kit, it's quite big. <coughs> so it's like figuring out kind know, of essential what, though, really. Like what goes in it. You know, some of the night ones you have to do a high vis vest. So That's like right. you've got to make sure you got the high vis vest in there. Or they won't. The race directors won't let you through your checkpoint. Yeah. Um, so there's just little things like that. I was like. What's a high vis vest going to do in the middle of the jungle? <laughs> <laughs> you can't see anything anyway. <laughs> like, oh. Did you ever train with like weighted vests? I have in the past, yeah. Yeah, yeah. my brother was in the, the French Foreign Legion um, and like big military stuff. And I think if you looked at videos of him on Instagram, he's swimming in Tally Creek with a weight vest <laughs> really? on. Really? Yeah, oh. and a full camo. <laughs> 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 yeah. oh. I... Um, I so uh you mentioned as well your physical and nutritional prep and you said cross fertilizers with your mental performance do you want to elaborate on that yeah so i think um obviously as you found out when we were running like when we're talking about like you know being hungry i think the moment that you're hungry in any kind of ultra or any kind of distance running mentally you're going to be you're not far behind so I think like in my head, if I'm hungry, I'm in either in trouble or like, cause I know that I only really have, I'm basically on low of my car and I've got no fuel left. Mm. So mentally that really messes you up. And I've learned over the years that if you just stay on top of your um, nutrition and your hydration, you don't create that mental fatigue of like, now I've got to catch up. Cause yeah. once you go into a deficit, it's all over like it's you can't there's not much you can do your body just doesn't say what you want around doing the 40 percent of like david goggins style and getting through but that's all good if you're hydrated and your nutrition's up to date but as soon as your nutrition goes like that's it Mm -hmm. um and that really does mess with your head mentally and that's where i think where a lot of people get in trouble is you know they get to a point where they haven't looked after themselves and therefore then they start to the doubt creeps in and they're like can i do this and their body starts shutting down and then it's like full circle their mind's switched off their body's not working they've got no nutrients so no wonder you know they'd stop like that's pretty much how it comes down to that's in my experience yeah yeah it it seems like a tricky one because you could get to that middle of the day and it's stinking hot and you're like, oh, I'll just keep pushing through it. But once you're actually there or once you're in that low spot as well, and like, I guess like anything, it, it kind of, when you're hit with a challenge and you're not at a certain point where you can um, take it on as best, like, yeah, it must be. And then, yeah, to be seven, eight and a half hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it was funny, like in Noosa, we we're running along and a mate of mine, uh, Maddie, he's just about to run across Australia from Perth to Bondi. Yeah. Um, and Maddie... Uh, Matty and I were running along and I've run up alongside him and he's like, it's just not my day. I feel like shit. And I was like, all right, do you want some help? And like what you do is you kind of try and work together. Mm-hmm. So you're like, look, I'm not going to leave you behind. But he'll be like, oh, no, just push ahead. Yeah. 
And I was like, look, there's a creek up there. Let's just go for a like swim. <laughs> so, so we like, we ran up there and um, he's just jumped in the water, like, you know, just to try and cool himself down a bit. It wasn't overly hot, yeah. but it just wasn't Maddie's day. And then I was like, look, I'm going to keep going. I'll meet you up in the mountains. Maybe meet you at the next checkpoint. He's like, yeah, yeah, sweet. And I just text the race director and I said, watch out for Maddie. You know, like he's, he's in the creek at the moment. I think he's okay, but just keep an eye out on him. And so when we got up into the hills, uh, he's quite a strong hiker. Uh, he just comes flying <laughs> And I'm like, fuck, you're all right now. Um, and then, you know, like we raced each other all the way to the end. You know, yeah. we pushed it through. So it's funny, like, as long as you're like experienced enough and you know like what you're in for, I think Maddie is someone who's raced a lot and done a lot of races. There's a difference there of knowing when you're not in that good a condition and when yeah. you're like just having an off day. Um, and so I learned a lot from Maddie. His dad does a lot of, his dad's like in his seventies and still does like hundred mile races. Really? Oh, yeah. He's, they're, they're amazing That's family. Awesome. That was like, something, that was something that just like, it was both gave me a kick up the ass when I was running um, the other week because like I was getting to the 30k point and then catching people that were probably like 65, 70. I was like, holy shit, like these, yeah, this is a different ballpark and like, yeah, but it, it oh, for myself anyway, in that distance, it spurred me on because I'm like, and even with yourself doing like 32 more, I was like, surely I can do one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all relative, you know, like it's, you know, I, I say to people, it doesn't, it's not the distance or it's not the time or it's more like if I can encourage someone to go like that wasn't going to go for a run that day or go to the gym or to a Pilates club, like that's what really drives me. Mm. I think it doesn't matter. I know that, you know, 42 Ks for a lot of people is just unfathomable, but the kind of people I surround myself with, you know, they just do this shit all the time. Yeah. You know, they're like constantly doing this stuff. You know, a good friend of mine's about to run from Sydney to Burley in seven days. And if people broke that down, that means he has to run 20 hours a day for a whole week. Is that, is that Jake? Yeah. That's <laughs> and, wild. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and so people are like, they're asking me and I was like, yeah, you don't understand. Like he's, He'll have to run 20 hours every day. Because what, yeah, what is it, 850, 850 Yeah, he wants to try and do 122 k's a day. <laughs> so like, you know, when you listen to that, like it doesn't, it's huge, it's amazing. Yeah. But when you're surrounded by it constantly, it's like, it's not like it's a, I mean, it's a huge deal, but it's not like something that's a shock. It's more like, yeah, I know you're going to do it. Like yeah. you're crazy enough to be able to do it. Like, <laughs> do, you, you, do you find that in these like ultra communities and stuff that there's just everyone meets got a few screws loose some somewhere or like it's just... beautiful, man. It's such <laughs> a beautiful community because it just takes your own lid to be like, yeah, I can do stuff. It's like if you can do it, I can do it, and mm-hmm. that's that's all we wanted to to do. And say what you want around social media, but it's beautiful. There's parts of it where you know you can be super inspired and. And I think as long as people do it in a way that they're not just doing it for social media, they're doing it for themselves. I think there's some real merit in being able to push yourself, mm. you know, through your limits in a in a way that you're able to do it safely. Because there's no point signing up for a hundred k race and you haven't ran ten k's before. Mm. You know, just because it's got a hundred k on the ticket doesn't mean that you have the right to enter. I think you've got to make sure you do the work, or it's going to be either a hell of a long day. You're gonna get very injured, and you probably won't run for like the next six months because you hate it. Yeah. Um. So I think there's, 
there's real merit in that ultra community of like it's very tight it's they're crazy you know i've seen some some insane people like do crazy crazy stuff like where you know i think one of the guys ran a marathon every day for 100 days you know like and it wasn't just a marathon it was like some days were double marathons you know and like he's not really a social media type person he did it with his dogs and like he was just everyone was like nah the guy's gonna get injured and i was like well yeah he's probably not like he does these races and these runs with like pots of like pasta and veggies <laughs> like he knows what he's doing i think one of the first things um when we first met um i remember asking you something that surprised you about it so far and you just you said you're the body's ability to adapt and like yeah seeing someone like him doing it just day in day out it must just become like oh this is what we're doing now all right like and as long as you're kind of i guess feeding it and looking after it where you can but yeah, it's still hard to fathom. oh yeah <laughs> I mean, it's the only thing you can do. Like, if you, you know, I know knew that each day, if I didn't, if I missed a meal or if I missed something, I'd pay for it the next day. Mm-hmm. You know, my my job was to just make sure I got in enough nutrients, um, had enough rest, made sure like I looked after myself as much as I could before I went to bed. Um, and you know, like as I said to you, Blake, I don't like to eat two to three hours before i go to bed so it's a really short window of yeah. trying to smash in as many calories as you can and i don't know if you've ever tried to fit four thousand calories <laughs> in like a really short window it's like you really push it yeah you know so it's having lots of smoothies to just keep it nutrient dense you know like and smoothies isn't my go-to you know like i like the fiber aspect of chewing my food because you know it's a lot of something that a lot of people don't do anymore so they actually don't chew their food therefore they get into a lot of trouble and then I get enough nutrients so it's like how do I still do that still get 4,000 calories in after my run quality calories not just shitty like burgers and yeah. stuff um, and yeah it was quite a challenge actually until I figured out what I needed to do now you obviously mentioned you're working throughout the challenge as well there's a few points that I wanted to get to one of them being do these challenges help you with work and like or, or do you want to elaborate on what you do for work initially and then go on to that? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I've lucky, been lucky enough that I've, I've worked for myself for a long time now. And, uh, you know, it has given me the ability to be able to do some of this crazy stuff. Uh, I think the people close to me in, in my work world know what's going on and uh, they kind of know why I put myself through these challenges. Um, and... They think I'm crazy, which is fine. <laughs> but it's it's kind of nice that, you know, in, in the industry, the main industry I work is all around content creation. Um, so we do a lot of stuff for the production side of things for different brands and photos and videos and podcasts and, you know, all the good stuff. So uh, it's very rewarding. I'm not too hands-on in it uh, mm-hmm. as much as I love the creative aspect. I like the driving part of the business, creating the relationships, working with clients, trying to figure out the strategy type things and, and trying to figure it out. So that's that's pretty much in a nutshell what my mm. day looks like. Mm. Um, but yeah, then getting back to like, how does it relate to work? I think it's the ability to really, really control like my emotions. Um, so I think that was the biggest thing that I learned in this was having the ability to regulate going through those day-to-day emotions 
instead of that, oh, this is going to be hard. All right, cool. I get the privilege of being able to do this. And I think if you take that into a boardroom mentality of, say, a client or a work aspect, you can teach the people around you to be like, well, you don't need to be so emotionally charged for mm-hmm. what you're about to do. Let's just figure out a solution for it. Yeah. So I think if you if take the little lessons away from it, it's just working through those. You know, if you've got a project or whatever um, and you've got those little milestones that you need to do, just work to that milestone as opposed to looking at the end result and just trying to enjoy the little journey as you go to try and get there. So I think that's probably the biggest one is just regulating my emotions. It's something that I learned a lot in this. Yep. And starting up businesses for yourself can always be obviously challenging and daunting for a lot of people. Do you have any recommendations for people out there? Because like I know, um, I know a few people that have been with either salary jobs or, or that sort of thing for uh, just that step away from um, stability really. Like what was that like for yourself? Yeah, I think it's, it's a good question. I think like most people, if they've got a job, um, they do have enough time to create a side hustle. Um, I think if you, you know, use your salary from your job and then you're able to build your side hustle, it's a smarter way of doing it than just getting rid of your job and mm-hmm. going like straight into trying to do a startup. Because to be honest, like even the most successful brands and businesses that I've seen, like it's taken them five to seven years. And like the last thing you want to be doing is telling your girlfriend that you've got no money <laughs> for five to seven years. When you're trying to build your like project, yeah. it doesn't work for anyone. Yeah. You know, everyone thinks that you're crazy trying to build a business from there. So I think like keep your job and, and just really try and work on your, you know, six to nine o'clock type mentality or to be honest, even earlier if you want to. Um, just try and work on those, you know, you can get a lot of hours out of your week when you break it down really. Mm. If you did six to nine every night. Monday to Friday and spend a few hours on a Saturday. Like, you can really build a, a business quite fast. What used to take us 20 years can now take us, you know, 12 months with the internet and the way we get opportunities and, the, and how fast we can kind of meet people. And I think, like, if people understand that, then they won't go out and quit their jobs and, you know, just be in no man's land for a few years mm-hmm. trying to figure out what's going on. Because even with your company having, like, the social media side of it, being mm. well, accounting, financial advising, and then just, yeah, the creative side yeah makes it a bit easier all in house. So yeah, helps out with the accounting and financial planning side of it all. Um, yeah, did you have like a turning point in your life where you're like I'm done working for somebody or? Yeah, it's a good question. I actually have never worked for anyone. I've uh-huh. always, I've always had my own businesses. Like straight away. I mean, if you take away my little lifeguard jobs when I was, you know working at school um mm-hmm. that's really the only time i've had like say a boss but i wouldn't even say i had a boss was like <laughs> just turn up open the pool and off you go like you know it wasn't like yeah in my adult life i've actually always just worked for myself um which has been really cool and it's different i'm in a position to be able to do it um but it has taught me a hell of a lot of uh lessons i guess um, made heaps of mistakes mm. um, and that's why I'm really passionate about giving back to people when they do start their business because I think like I've made all those terrible lessons and gone through all the hard times and if 
I can kind of fast track that for someone by saying, don't do that. <laughs> um, maybe do this instead. Do you think sometimes you, I don't know, I know from a perspective, like whenever parents tell you something or whatever, you're like, oh yeah, whatever. And you, you almost have to work it out for yourself by making that failure. Do you think sometimes that is the case or it's like, if you can avoid it, you should? Yeah, I think like you have to fail. It's, it's this is the only way that you're really gonna learn like a solid lesson. Um, and I'm not saying like you go out and burn bridges and do that. I'm just saying like try something, and if it doesn't work, you know, just try and pivot a little bit and go again. And just like so many people are scared of like failing because there's so much ego attached to it. Mm. I think like if you just get to a point where it's, um, you know, you, you do go through that hard time or that lesson, it's like, all right, cool, what can I do better? Rather than be so hard on yourself. Like people make mistakes and fail all the time. Like I just, if that just becomes more of a, like a society thing, I think mm. people would actually have the ability to go out and try and do things rather than listen to everyone else around them and tell them that they can't do it including that you know parents and parents you know we love them and they and they all want the best for us in a business world it could be totally different because they've never been in that environment so for them it's more of like a coping mechanism to be like no you shouldn't do that like it's too it's just more that they don't know what you're going into when you probably do so as much as we like to listen to them sometimes it's better just to <laughs> do the opposite yeah yeah well, so for yourself, you can work remotely as well. And that's been something that's really interested me, I guess. I don't know, pretty much since COVID, it kicked off a lot of things, even for yourself, Corey, when you're mm. working in Sydney and from home and that sort of thing. You were working technically in Sydney from here. Yeah. And, stuff. <laughs> and like um, you have mentioned how like making your environments, not just your workplace. What do you, what do you mean by that? Like environments are everything. So I think... Uh, you know, so many people are defined by their work and that's amazing. Um, however, I look at stuff where if that's all you're going to be defined by, you're not really going to live like a very fulfilled life. Um, so I think like you need to find environments that um, give you a bit of an outlet from work. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with work being a big chunky life because it is. But, you know, like whether you go to the gym or you join a yoga thing or you do, you know, one of the run clubs or like you walk a dog, like, you know, I see the guys down in Burley every day and I've asked them like, how'd you guys meet each other? And they're like, literally we just come here for coffee every morning. And over 30 years they've been doing, they've all been doing the same thing yeah. every day. So what are you going to do? Like not talk to him cause you see him every day. Well, yeah. So they just get together every day. So I think like, the environments for me is something that is something that I put a lot of emphasis on and I put myself into different environments every single week. Mm. Um, it's not just running. It's not just work. It's like just being around, you know, kind of this kind of environment where you're around different people and you kind of learn from them and you listen to different perspectives and it doesn't mean you have to agree with everyone all the time. It's just like listening to someone and valuing their point of view of the world. So yeah, environments for me are like everything. Because mm -hmm. you've also mentioned as well, like in regards to your employees, making a healthy 
happy work environment? Why why is that important? Yeah, to you? I think it's it's a really good question. I mean, like if you are someone that does work and you do get the ability to be healthy and happy inside that role, I think there's a huge um, benefit for the company as a whole when that happens. So mm-hmm. I think creating that environment, I have seen a lot of stuff and been lucky to like go and visit like what Google do and you know some of these big tech companies that you know, have gyms and creches and like, you know, running events and sports events for like the whole team. I'm thinking like, this is insane. You know, there's health insurance involved and like parents care and like that ability to be able to work from home and they don't have to go into meetings. And I was like, that's the way that it should be. Mm. You know, like creating that, you know, kind of environment that allows people to look after themselves and be healthy and not sneak off if they need to go to the doctor. Mm. You know, like I think that all that stuff's kind of moving away from and COVID was perfect because it gave the ability to, for everyone pretty much to work from home mm. I and think figure COVID it was, out it worked. Yeah, I think COVID was a bit of like a blessing for businesses as well because, yeah, beforehand you would have never seen anyone work from home like one day a week and work from home one day a week and help you out so much I like can get stuff done through the day if you need to like rather than being stuck at the office or stuck yeah. at a site wasn't they were starting to save money as well not having to pay like travel allowance or something was that google um i'm pretty sure i, feel, I think it's like microsoft ended up saying everyone could work from home yeah like yeah. full time and that i guess that saves office space as well yeah it's definitely kicked off something for me like just in the role I am now, and I was talking to you prior to recording tonight, and it's like, uh, yeah, I started looking at it and it's like, you're essentially selling your hours in the day when you're in a role where you can't sort of either work from home or do bits and pieces and have that freedom throughout the day as well. But I was talking to someone yesterday in regards to like, if you, say you designed an app and you was like, the app's going to cost you $30,000 and you're predicted to um, take six months to develop it and you did it in four days, that shouldn't make it any less worthwhile for, for that price and stuff. It's just, If anything, you should be rewarded for your efficiency, but it's like the whole idea of that we have to be at work for those eight hours throughout the day is kind of, yeah, it's weird. Mm. <laughs> it's definitely changing, I must admit. It's definitely changing. I think like if you can chunk your days into like two or three hour blocks... I think you, we see that really working really well with ours and our task boards and stuff is, okay, we don't care like how long it takes you, um, but this is our budget and this is what, if you can get it done like quick and it's quality, like cool, mm. you know, we can do that. So um, one of the biggest things for our guys is just chunking your days. It's like, um, you know, I don't check any emails before 9am ever. You know, I rarely check emails during the week. Um, I only check them on Monday and Fridays. But my team know how to get access to me through Slack or through our channels. But, you know, imagine sitting there and you're checking your inbox all day. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I know people do it. But for something for me, it's I'm not productive if I do that. Yeah. I'm just in that reactive mode all the time. I'm more, I like to be better proactive by being on the front foot as opposed to someone emailing me and then trying to figure out an email back. Mm. Um, so, like, when you chunk your days into stuff, like, into different tasks, it allows you to be able to be super proactive 
And then you've got that little bit of time to deal with the spot fires mm. once or twice a day. Yeah. Have you have you read the four hour work week? Yeah, and it, I think I modelled a lot of Tim Ferriss's stuff early. I think if you were to work four hours a week, I mean that's beautiful. But what are you gonna do for the rest of the week? Yeah. <laughs> like there's only so much golf and <laughs> shit you can play. Like you know, and I, I get it and, and I love the concept of that and he's right and that whole outsourcing and, and be able to do like, you know, the ability to have, you know, people working for you. I don't know if you saw the guy from Google that was also one of the senior guys at Facebook at the same time. Oh, really? Taking two huge salaries <laughs> yeah. and getting someone else to do his job for him. <laughs> yeah, right. They didn't pick up on it. Like, say so this guy was like, yeah, you know, make, making a, <laughs> making a million bucks a year working twenty hours a week. Yeah. Um. And so it's I know because I've seen it in a world where I I do stuff and we have outsourced and um you know use different agencies in around Asia and the Philippines like um sorry Central America over the years because they're such high quality workers but it doesn't cost you like you know fifty bucks an hour. Mm, mm. Um, so I've seen a lot of stuff with Tim Ferriss and I've seen a lot of Tim speaking live and you know, kind of modelled a few things here and there to um, do in our businesses. And yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff in there that he's done that yeah. has a lot the, of merit to it. I think it's um, is batching or something. When, yeah, but like I noticed even so Wednesdays for us is a admin day. We're in the office and it's funny how if you're sitting in front of your... Um, laptop or whatever and you've got your emails open that you can make your whole day just stretch to yeah. however many emails you get through that throughout that day but then yeah like i've started trying to implement like i'll i'll check it um just before i turn everything off in the arvo just to see what's sort of prepared for the next day and that but yeah it's like just those those little hacks is like and that's why i like doing this podcast and trying to learn those little things that are going to make you more efficient in like your sort of day-to-day life but yeah, is it challenging though? Because you're obviously promoting people to, I guess, think freely and, and that sort of thing. Do you have guys where they're like, they get to a point and then they want to go implement it for themselves? And like, is it is it tricky? Because you're like, you've never had your own boss. So you're like... Yeah, no, I think I'd, I'd never hold anyone's wings back. Yeah. You know, I'd never clip anyone's wings on if they wanted to go and do their own thing. I think... Um, it's important and I'm all for the growth side of things. You know, if we can teach them a skill set, sure, it hurts us that they leave, but I'm not that kind of person that would ever limit anyone from going out and doing their own thing. Mm. Even if they became a competitor, it wouldn't worry me. It's more like, yep, go and like, do what you need. And to be honest, I'm here if you need some help. Um, so, yeah, it's just, again, you create that safe space for them that they don't feel like they're trapped. And they are happy and healthy so that when they do leave, like they leave on good terms as opposed, because you never know if you might need them again. Mm-hmm. You know, to be honest, most businesses don't last three years. They don't, hardly any businesses last five years. So you got a pretty good strike rate. If mm. you let someone go and do their own thing, that they might come back. So mm. I never burn any bridges from any of the good talent because um, if they're successful and they do their thing, like awesome. But if they're not, there's, there's a role there for you to do yeah. some stuff. Yeah, that's cool. So I, I like just that. think like leaving an open mind around it and so many people get funny around, mm. oh, they're going to be a competitor. I'm like, you're an established business. If they're going to go ahead and start their own, like 
they're four years away from even mm. getting close to you. Mm. Like, so I think it's just funny the way that people are and how they put that pressure on themselves. If someone, to try and keep someone to stay, like, just let them go. Like, let them go and try their own stuff. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, neat. Well, we are a bit over an hour now, so I don't want to keep you too long. But um, last two questions, if you did get a chance, have a look at them. But first one being, if you had a favourite failure that's benefited you in the long run. Um, favourite failure that I that I did think about for you guys. Um, it's been a few things in business. Is obviously uh, a lack of like communication with some clients. You end up losing them, and then obviously you don't get paid. Yeah. it's a real real fast way to figure out like where you're making mistakes so i always come back to like that communication um is a big one it is the key it's the key for any kind of relationship whether it's work um whether you're out there running and you know someone's trying to talk to you and you just need like your own space or obviously intimate relationships as well so it's that communication was was a big one for me and i learned it through business pretty fast when you have no clients paying you <laughs> yeah. like, and you that's your only source of income it's a pretty quick way to figure out like what's going on so yeah i did learn i failed pretty fast but you learn a hell of a lot faster when your back's up against the wall trying to figure out where your next dollars and cents are coming from <laughs> yeah sick and yeah second question if you had a billboard that everyone could see what would it say uh i'd always come down to like do the things that you say you would do i think there's a real merit now in a world where it's all like kind of not so much fake but a bit hype hype rara you know a lot of people would say something and they don't follow up through it um and i think that's one of the biggest things that even in this challenge as well as you know getting through those days where i didn't feel like doing it and if i'm honest there was a few days there where i was like oh just maybe this is the last one or you know um i'd be lying if i said that didn't go through my head but mood follows action all the time so if i was only in a, if I was in a good mood every time i wanted to go for a run i'd probably never go for a run yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah just doing the things that you say that you would do i think that's a big one um from that definitely something that i put on a billboard yeah nice that's awesome you probably had it heaps lately but what's next uh just wake up enjoy the sunrise um <laughs> have some coffee uh, yeah. And then, obviously, I've got UTA coming up at the end of October, and then I'm doing the Mount Kosciuszko 100 mile yes, um, in December. So I've got a few races. Uh, a lot of boys supported me, um, girls as well that are doing events over the next few months. So I'm going to either pace them or crew because that's the kind of you know support that you need on mm. some of those big things. So it'd be nice just to be on the other side of the fence for once. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm going to pace and crew with some of the some of the guys and including jake when he runs from sydney oh you've done that yeah Burley. so i'll get in with them and obviously janice is doing a 250k run yeah. around a track so i'll jump in and get in for that as well yeah so yeah there's a few things coming up that were nice training runs but yep. yeah my two races will be blue mountains and mount kosciuszko yeah sick well, nice. i can't wait to watch yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i really appreciate your time um it's been awesome and even just this like short time I've, I've got to know you so far has been um yeah just really enjoyable and i appreciate it thank you very much for voice for having me on thank you appreciate it Sick.